In the Pits is sponsored by Hustletown Paintball. Hustletown is a brand by Jason Tinsley of Houston that is all about representing Houston paintball and highlighting its local talent. Head to hustletownpaintball.net to browse their selection of casual wear and use code PIT10 for 10% off of your order. In the Pits is partnered with Get That Shot. Get That Shot now offers first-in-line photo and video editing, 20% off Get That Shot merch, and 20% off prints to all teams that wear the Get That Shot logo on their jersey. Message getdat underscore shot on Facebook or Instagram to become a Get That Shot program team. In the Pits is sponsored by FU Athletics, created with a purpose and focused on building a better you. We are a brand that matters in your workout, and every purchase gives back to cancer research. Go to thefuathletics.com and use code INTHEPITS25 for 25% off of your order. In the Pits is partnered with Compete. Compete is a Texas-based brand by Jell Stewart of professional team AC Diesel that provides custom jerseys, pants, headbands, straps, tech shirts, and any other soft goods to help individuals and teams compete at the highest level. Support Texas Paintball and message Compete on Facebook or Instagram and mention In the Pits Podcast for 10% off your entire order. In the Pits is partnered with Paintball Kumite. Paintball Kumite is a program designed by Colt Roberts of professional team San Antonio X-Factor to take paintball players of all ages, experience levels, and skill groups and mold them into champions. The program breaks the game down into small, easy-to-learn sessions designed to help you master the fundamentals so that you can elevate your game. Newcomers to the program get a free one-hour introductory class when mentioning In the Pits. To sign up for a class, message at paintballkumite on Instagram. Welcome everyone to episode 28 of In the Pits Paintball Podcast. This podcast is focused on everything that has to do with the paintball scene here in Texas, from professional players and teams to new divisional programs, uh, local tournament series, field owners, Texas-based brands, even photographers and videographers. Every week we'll have a short and sweet episode with a new topic and a new special guest. I'm Christian Smith. I'm a player for the Texas Titans. In this episode, we are going in the pits with Alexander Augusto and Omar Simmons of TKO Texas Knockout. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting us on. Um, big fan of the show. You're doing a great job. So really happy to be here. Appreciate it, man. It's it's crazy to see that like I literally just had this idea. Um like on the way home from the second USXBL, I was just driving back from fit and in my car, I was like, man, we just got knocked out in quarters again. And just like thinking of things to take my mind off the drive. I'm like, what if I started this podcast? That'd be cool. And then like three days later I get Cole Roberts on and we've been going once a week, every week, ever since then haven't missed a week yet. So this is, this is big. And this is the last one of 2022. So uh pleasure to have y'all and especially, uh, after y'all's World Cup victory, so uh, let's let's get into that, boys. Uh, so, uh, t- kind of talking about like your background, and maybe if anybody out there listening they don't know about y'all, uh, how long have you guys been involved in the Texas paintball scene? So um, TKO, we started in 2021. Uh, we we're formerly known as TOG, the other guys. So pretty much with that. Um, we started as TOG. I joined TOG in 2018, started in 2017. Uh, my paintball experience goes back to 2016, where I started playing tournament. Prior to that, I was playing in 03, 04, 
but that was really just playing rec ball, um, still hiding behind bunkers. We're playing mounds pretty much. And um, it was pretty much it, though. I remember having times where I didn't even shoot my gun because I was just scared. I didn't know how to play. But I've always been a big fan of it. Then, of course, graduated college, started making a little more money, and I was able to get back into it. So for me, uh, I got started in late 90s, kind of, I played a little bit in the woods, and, uh, but what really got me into it um, was a buddy of mine actually went, hey, we're actually going to go to a paintball field, uh, you want to come? And so I was like, yeah, I want to go. And uh, that was my first actual structured paintball outing, aside from just playing in the woods with a little brass eagle pump thing and um played that got hooked instantly it was weird it wasn't even a birthday party it was just hey my dad's taking me to go play paintball and got hooked on that and um struggled to actually get the time to play uh you know i was young had no money uh once i finally did start playing a little bit more uh, i ended up doing like a small tournament with uh the buddy i went to play with and another guy in, uh, what was that? Paintball in Paradise. I want to say it was in Rome, Texas, a long time ago. And uh, we went with that for a little bit. Then that fizzed away. And I stopped playing. Then I got back in years later, got out, got back in. Done that for most of my life until I finally got back in. This last time, I told myself I'm not getting out until I can't play anymore. It seems common theme just people mm -hmm. they take a break they can never quit though it's just extended extended breaks but now y'all are at your current uh stint with tko so like you mentioned uh tog the other guys which is uh they were a very dominant team in texas at during their run but you know besides tko besides tog what were some of the other like names of teams that you played for uh let's start with you omar uh so that first tournament that I did, that little three-man in, in Rome, uh, we went under caution. And if you actually look at my APPA, uh, I was going through a big issue. Uh, my buddy Ty was going through a big issue. And uh, time, the timing was just perfect where we were both in a bad place. And we're like, let's go play paintball. And uh, then another guy was like, hey, you guys going to go play paintball? I want to go back and play paintball. So we went back as the old team name and we went to uh, fit to play that event. And uh, so it was that, uh, which was caution. And uh, then a guy named Malik decided to uh, go to Mansell paintball one day. And I guess he saw that we weren't complete crap and asked me, one guy's like, Hey, why don't you come to a tryout to TOG? And from then on, I've been uh, TOG, then now TKO. Cool. How about you, Alex? So I started playing speedball, like I said, about 2017. So I'm from Colleen, Texas, and I was playing at Comanche Badlands, which turned into Desert Storm. And so we became the Desert Storm Disciples, and we played our first tournament at USXBL in May, which that was actually pretty funny because that one was supposed to be in Houston, but it flooded out, and then they put it at Paintball Fit. So I remember going to my first tournament. It was real grandiose. Uh, Fit was actually still building their fields in the back. So I, I remember seeing the construction and everything. And we were playing D5 race at the time. 
we finished seventh place in our first tournament. So we're thinking like, man, we're awesome. And then later in that summer, we go to Outlaw, which is probably the hottest tournament I've ever been at still. And uh, we had black jerseys. And I just remember it being so hot, getting these like, just like sores from the heat and everything. And we did really bad. And we actually broke that team apart then and became cream, which is a cash rules, everything around me. We played one tournament together and disbanded. And um, so I played some CTPLs just with like random people at the time. And I actually met Brandon Allison, who introduced me to TOG and told me they were looking for a center guy. So I went out there and tried out for the team about uh, Christian Arana with me. And um, that's where we met like Bryce, Sebastian, and we became TOG and we played D5 that year. Then we had a, we had a good little run. Um, never got a chance to podium, but that's kind of like how my whole stint with TOG started. They were playing D4 and D3 at the time, but we were their first like uh, like feeder line. And then um, we had like Michael and all of them. That's when they were like really running the show. And even like Hurricanes, they're still D3. So if anybody remembers back then, there are some really good D3 teams now, like FSU, Hurricanes, both pro teams now that we're banging it out with going head to head. Even a PPSFO was a, a dominant force back then. So that's pretty much how that happened with uh, me early on. And we played D4 with Cliff, Logan Dyer, Rene Rodriguez, Ernesto Vasquez. I mean, when I say we had a killer line, it was, was kind of insane, honestly. And um, several podiums that year. Then we moved on to 2020 and more podiums, a little rough in the middle because everybody knows how 2020 went. But then we really did disband TOG at the end of, at the start of 2021. And it was kind of more or less um, like Cliff Logan went pro, Michael went pro, Cliff was the owner and um, his investment in it just wasn't the same. You know, he always, he always played around saying he's going to retire, he's going to retire. But um, outside of that, it was really the sponsorship issues. Uh, Empire started changing a lot of things. We were a factory team for Empire. There's actually only four factory teams for Empire at the time in the state of Texas, but the whole dynamic changed a lot. So we decided we didn't want to wear EVSs anymore. We didn't really want to wear the pants anymore. Cause you start buying these gear packages as a as a bigger team, and you're spending five hundred plus dollars on everything you already have, and you don't really want to wear the gear. Uh, everybody remembers the level loader. We had to use level loaders and. <laughs> Exactly. You yeah. laugh because you know exactly <laughs> the feeling. So when you're being forced to use gear you're not comfortable with, gear that's exploding, gear that's not supported, and TOG was such a big name with the Empire, and then, like they said, all the OG guys left, so it wasn't really our team anymore. And so that's when we made the decision, and we actually got the blessing from Mike. We talked to everybody about it. We didn't want to leave on any bad blood. So it was really more of a name change more than like an organizational change. And we let TOG retire as TOG with all their OG members, because that's who that was for. That was for Logan, that was for Michael, that was for Bragan, Hunter, Mark Brown, Clifford Dyer. That that was TOG. We weren't TOG. That was the guys right there, you know? Gotcha. And then we came up with a TKO, Texas Knockout, which that was really hard to change, uh, find a name. But um, I have a big boxing background, Muay Thai. I love UFC fighting, boxing. I've been doing that my whole life. And that's where the name Knockout comes from. So our name is Knockout, but we just located in Texas. If we were in Wisconsin, we'd be WKO, but the team is Texas. We're based in Texas, but our name is Knockout. 
Cool. I mean, that's uh, that's a good way to pick a name, and that's a pretty solid paintball name. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. other ones out there that, uh, you know, they're okay, but that was pretty solid for sure. So, I mean, you for anybody who's not uh, who isn't familiar with the paintball scene back in like the late 2010s, you know, like 2016 to 2019, like there, he's not kidding when there were a lot of really good D3 teams in Texas. Like we had, uh, of course, TOG, Austin Notorious, Texas Phalanx, paintballfit.com was playing D3. Um, there's, there's a couple more. I think Houston Zone was in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, grit was coming up the ranks. Uh, that was like, you know, their D four D three before they hit semi pro. Uh, I know they, they won the D two event NXL Texas in 2019. Um, so like Texas was really stacked at the top. Of course you had TDSM and a couple other ones as well. Um, yeah. Texas demolition. Um, just so many, so many names at the top and, uh, TOG was very successful in a very, uh, competitive time, uh, in Texas anyway. And, you know, their success went on to the national scene. So yeah, like TOG, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it was, it was for those original guys who, you know, some of the names that you listed off, like Renee Rodriguez, uh, Michael Brown, like all of these guys are now playing either D one or pro or had played pro. Um, obviously Renee just went pro with notorious. You've got, um, Michael Brown, who's on the new Orleans hurricanes. You got Logan Dyer, who's on AC diesel, like bunch of huge names. So you almost have done something right. Or at least those group of guys. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, obviously y'all are, uh, continuing in that path with your, you know, with that banner that you've got hung up behind you, Alex. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've talked about like y'all's background and, uh, all the different teams that you played for. We talked a little bit about how Omar first got into paintball for the first time, but let's hear that story from you, Alex. So um, for me, how I got into paintball for the first time? Yes, sir. So, yeah, like I said, that um, I, I recall I was probably like 11, 12 years old. And um, I, I don't know, you, you have to be kind of old to remember these things, but there was always, um, excuse me, there's always paintball magazines. And... Um, you could like go to Walmart. So I got my first paintball magazine at the PX. And if anybody doesn't know what the PX is, it's a military establishment going base. And I remember getting one. I just thought it was like the coolest thing. And um, I just remember they're talking about this newest technology, and it was the cyclone feed that they put on the Tipman A5. So that's like kind of when I started. And um, the first place I ever played at was the bunkers in Coppers Cove, Texas. And my bit, my most fond memory of all of that was seeing everybody like oh these guys are pros which i'm sure everybody was pro they had a speedball gun and um they're shooting angels though and it just sounded like it was so fast and crazy and i remember watching them every time one of those guys got shot out you see all the guns turn on them when they're walking out and i always thought that was really funny because they're just shooting everybody up real good real good then anytime they got that kill all the rentals and like i guess the average players would just like really shoot them up and but it, it was a, such a different time now people do that. They want to fight. I just remember this guy just like waving it off, kind of laughing, like like he enjoyed it so much. And that's when we had the big baggy clothes and everything. But um, as far as like competitive, not really then. We did um, indoor paintball as well, like little birthday parties and stuff like that um, when I was in high school. But I didn't get to really play again until I got older. But that all started during my 25th birthday. 
me and just a bunch of my friends went out there and got got hooked again. I remember going to A&S Gear, buying me an axe and thinking it was just like the coolest thing ever. Then my homeboy, Rob, at the time, he was just buying everything he could off Craigslist, getting just these crazy deals. So we all had speedball guns, just running and gunning, shooting everybody up. And then we would always see those guys playing speedball. And we're like, okay, we want to try that. And um, most of my friends, we, they're athletic, very athletic football players, track players. So they're like, oh, y'all are fast. I was the fat guy, though, but, you know, you can't have them without me, right? So that's when we joined, um, like I said, Desert Storm Disciples. And we got to practice that fit one time. We actually got to practice that with power play a few times. Uh, I don't know if anybody really remembers power play. That was a field in w uh, Waco. Michael Quinn owned it. It's now uh, closed down a couple weeks ago, actually. So that's when we started practicing a lot together. And we practiced between power play and uh, Desert Storm. And we played that first tournament at USXBL. I only played a few tournaments then. But it was, it was just one of those things I really wanted to stick with because as you get older, you're kind of like in that life after sports mode. Mm -hmm. And so you, if you thrive for competition, you want to keep playing and doing something competitive. So that was like my competitive thing I really enjoyed doing. But that was my weekend thing. And I did MMA, uh, Muay Thai during the week. So I always stayed like real active. Gotcha. Yeah, it seems like a lot of stories of people like how they're playing right now. It's like, oh, they played once or twice at like a birthday party or something when they were teenagers and didn't really get into the competitive side or the tournament side more seriously until, you know, they were adults. They were making their own money. Um, and while like, yeah, paintball is an expensive sport, like we, it'd be interesting to see if there were more avenues to get these players in and, uh, make it so that you're not having to, you know, take these big, like eight, 10 year long breaks between stints. Like I'd, I'd love to see some ways of, you know, getting guys in and keeping them playing, uh, at least from like a, a more like industry approach type deal. Like we used to have, uh, the NCPA, which was a collegiate league. Um, and, there was also like a uh, provision for like high school league through that as well. And you just don't see that right now, probably just because of COVID and it's really difficult to get that whole thing started back up, but yeah. it'd be cool to cool to see uh, like that bigger approach so that we can keep uh, players in and just, you know, help them realize this is something that can be like a lifelong thing. No, yeah. I, I remember all those um, even in NXL, I remember they're, they're doing a lot more than they do now. And it feels like that's kind of ramping back up with like the the young guns. I mean, we had what sixty young gun teams at World Cup. But if you remember, they're doing the two v two tournaments. I remember father and son won that. It was a fifty thousand dollar prize. So there used to be like a lot of cool things to get people involved. But um, it's I think the cost it's not as affordable right now. Um, and just trying to get people involved because you got to think too, these younger generations are not as like like crazy they don't they don't like the getting out there getting dirty and gritty the technology thing is taking over i mean i see all the young kids now i wanted to go outside all these kids are on ipads so i think it's like a cultural difference as well as trying to get kids involved in different things so the idea of oh that's painful i think that's one of those stigmas that stick with a lot of people they don't want to play because it's painful but we all know once you're used to it, you're used to it. It's, you might get hurt a little bit here and there, but it's not as bad as people make it seem. But I think the jelly ball is really revitalizing things, and that's kind of where it's going to start for younger kids. Like even my nephew, who's not the toughest guy, like I said, he's one of those iPad kids. He loves the jelly ball, 
and hopefully soon he's going to be ready to play like a 50 cal or something like that. I think jelly ball is really the best introductory way right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you see it with like, um, hell, like even nerf guns right now. Mm-hmm. They've, they've got all these different ones. Like some of them actually are similar to like hopper style where you put instead of like nerf darts or just little foam balls and you put them in through the top of the gun, kind of all loose and uh, obviously kind of like gearing them up more like toward paintball and you know i i see kids playing around with nerf guns all the time and with the whole jelly ball with the whole 50 cal thing that has come up with the last couple of years i think it's on the right track but uh, as far as you know kids it being like a generational thing or a cultural difference i don't know you'd be surprised like I'm, I'm an elementary teacher and I definitely know, like, even then kids are still running around, like doing finger guns and stuff at each other. Like they, to them, like if it's cool, it's cool. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think we can, we can, uh, make it a little bit more accessible for sure. But I think the interest could still definitely be there. So I want to keep going. This, uh, next question is sponsored by hustle town paintball, new sponsor for the podcast. Uh, we're in one of his shirts that I just got in. Um, so Hustle Town is representing Houston Paintball, and uh, they're also highlighting Houston's local talent. So head to hustletownpaintball.net, use code PIT10 for 10% off of your order there. So this question is, what are some things that you guys have noticed have changed within the Texas scene, uh, either for better or for worse, over the time period when you've been playing? So uh, one thing that I've noticed is I think the amount of teams... It doesn't feel like there's as many small organizations that continue to grow. And um, then, yeah, I feel like you do have a certain, at least, I mean, I understand like how fit is right now. For example, there's only like, there's four big dominant teams. Then there's a few smaller teams, but I feel like before there were so many small teams that were competitive teams, like guys wanted to grind. And I, I think the big organizational thing is kind of what's taken over. But I've always felt it's good to have a variety of teams. Like I've never been one to say, oh, I'm going to take everybody that tries out or I'm going to try to pull everybody. I'm real big on, okay, I got my like 10 new D5 guys. I'm going to work on these guys and I want to make them the best players possible and I want to keep them and retain them. So that's something I've noticed. I think there should be more small teams, but there has to be a system in place because the reason these small teams aren't successful is because they don't got these higher end players like really teach them how to play. So they don't really get better. So they're getting dunked on at these tournaments because they don't have someone who's a lot better than to teach them how to become better players. Got it. How about you, Omar? What are some things you've noticed have changed? So from coming in and out so many times and, you know, I remember, you know, the way it was a long time ago, I mean, it's always been relatively expensive, but, Whenever paintball first started really gaining speed, it was more of like an adult, you know, grown man sport, you know, working guys, you know, kind of sport. And uh, then all of a sudden you started getting this huge influx of kids wanting to play. And, you know, I noticed that even when I was repping for a little while. And uh, from it being, you know, a grown man's pastime, then it became more of a fad. And, you know, so, so the industry, it skyrocketed because of it, but then it had a huge drop off for a multitude of reasons. And, um, you know, it's slowly climbing back up again. And I think that's just the overall maturity of the sport. You know, the, the companies that were, you know, at the head of everything, they kind of, you know, they're going to learn from their mistakes. You know, things happen, you know, 
things kind of went haywire for a while and you learn from those mistakes and there's a whole lot more um um what's the word i'm looking for here? you know everything's a little more uniform you know you get all this um coercion between companies now that you just didn't see back in the day you know you get all these collaborations now which is really nice so there's a whole lot more work being done within the sport kind of nurturing it so it can continue to grow instead of everybody being me 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 um and dropping it back down to where it's just a fad it's actually looks like it's getting more and more stable as time goes so just the overall growth of the sport as far as how mature the industry has gotten i think is um, a big positive i think that uh so i was listening to uh the spick and span show the other day and they have uh tom cole the president of the nxl on every now and then and he was talking about like some of the things that they're doing to help kind of grow the NXL, grow the sport and also like kind of bring in more eyes from the outside. And, you know, people love to hate on whoever's in charge running the show. They're always like, ah, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And you see that with paintball, you see that with like, you know, Roger Goodell in the NFL, you see that with pretty much every major sport, anybody who's in charge, there's people who love to hate on the decisions. But, um, with some of the things that Tom Cole was saying, like I, I think that as as a whole, the industry is definitely uh, taking in more data points and uh, using it well to help like grow the sport the right way. So, um, I mean, there's definitely that period that that big drought, which um, which Ryan Gray called the big consolidation or the great consolidation, where all these companies were kind of getting bought up by like. Uh, key which is now which then became mm-hmm. gi and then now core outdoors uh you, now you, like there's less like bigger companies it's pretty much just like gi hk and then you know you've got other companies like planet eclipse and doing their own thing mm-hmm. um but then again you've also got these these smaller companies which there are a lot of now uh mm-hmm. like hormesis project sandana um, lots of smaller stuff like even Hustle Town and some of my other sponsors out there that are, uh, um, I guess it's more of like a, a different wave in terms of like the the supporting local businesses and supporting local scene. So I yeah. think I think some of those is is where you're going to see the most growth is just like being able to support like your local talent, your local scene. You're seeing that with uh, these small leagues, like especially in Texas, hell they're rising the the prize pools like crazy nowadays i'm not sure if you've seen some of them like even htps is offering five grand for first place like geez so uh it's it's cool to see i think in in texas at least like we're in a unique spot where we just have so much talent and so many people coming to play and kind of talking to alex's point with um you know more and more players instead of forming their own division five teams, they're going to establish programs like uh, they're going to the shut up or trying camp or they're going uh, down in San Antonio. They're going to the Texas Titans. They're going to the Dragoons. Um, more of these established names where it's not just like a single division five team that they're all going to grow up together. They're joining like these more structured organizations where they got guys at the top who can help them. And well, yeah, it's, I think it is, you know, to Alex's point, it would be cool to see different jerseys out there and other like groups. But at the same time, like the fact that there are 
so many organizations who've done it already that can help these new guys kind of go up the right way with like faster without making all these mistakes and uh, spending additional money where they don't really have any direction versus just, you know, going to a established organization where they can, they can learn the ropes in the correct way. They've got the support from pros now, like oh, last couple of years, you've now got like Devin Stewart over in Houston coaching uh, the outlaw anodizing guys. You've always had the fit, Dot com guys supporting all the different fit teams as well as AC Diesel. Now in San Antonio, you've got Jesse Stevens, you've got Colt Roberts. Um, Mitter Ninos has been helping out a lot as well. So um, I think those organizations are great for the sport, but also I think there definitely could be more. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk more about like your organization TKO. So we, you know, Alex gave us a pretty good history of TOG and how that kind of parted ways uh, towards the end of 2020. It started 2021, but let's hear like more about like the formation of TKO, like what guys stayed behind, what were the circumstances there and uh, your initial plan for the organization. Okay. So yeah, um, I actually never wanted to have a big organization. Like we, we always joke and say, like, I just wanted to play with the boys, you know? So, like, my guys that I originally would run with, who at the time was Sebastian Sears, it was uh, Christian Arana, Brandon Navarrete, myself, then Omar moved up to D4 at the time, and um, then Adam Sondecker was actually playing with us at the time as well. Then uh, John Miklajak was playing with us at the time. So it was kind of like one of those things like, okay, we're going to do this. This is what we want to do. But we also just picked up a bunch of D5 guys. There's other D4 players who are kind of like sometimes you guys, like I can play sometimes. Um, they weren't the most dedicated guys, but everybody else really just followed along with us. So instead of having just seven guys, we ended up having about 20, 25 guys. And that's when we just kind of like, okay, we got to do sponsorships. We got to find jerseys. And um, we were always cool with Jell. And uh, so we hit Jell up and said, hey, man, this is what's going on. This is the deal. And Jell was really happy to take us and um, help us move on. Like, he's actually a real big part of just structuring the organization as well. It's, it's not always just like, oh, Alex is doing everything. I get a lot of credit for things, but I do have, like I say, my advisors, people who help out. I never just, okay, I'm going to make the one sole decision. That's probably why the decisions are so good because I run it by a few other people. I want those people who've done it before, the people who run big organizations, the people who have their own businesses. And I think that's why a big part of TKO's success is it's not just one mind. There's several moving pieces to it. Then once we come to that consensus, then we move forward with it. But yeah, so we ended up having our D5 team, then our D4 team. And we actually were able to pick up like a Brandon Rogers who did leave Shut Up Your Trying at the time. Um, to play with Dallas Ballers Club, which was defunct after about one tournament. And uh, he played that whole season with us. And that, that was a really good season for us. But it, it kind of sucked because we had three eighth places in a row. And um, that, that was a hard one, like to always go there and just get an eighth place again, get an eighth place again. It's a little depressing when you see we have guys who are playing semi-pro now. We had such a strong roster, but you're not getting it done. Then finally at championships, we get that fourth place, decide to go play cup in uh, 2021. And we ended up getting 12th place, which that was a heartbreak. I don't even like talking about what happened at World Cup in 2021. It was such a heartbreaker. It was a tough one to lose in um, 
overtime one-on-ones for the team that ends up going to win the tournament. That's a it's a, it's a crazy one. <laughs> Real heartfelt right there. But then we kind of just kept moving on, and um, I, like it, it's funny. I sound so negative when I say, like, oh, I don't want to uh, run a D five team. No, I don't want to do it. Then Omar comes along. Oh no, we're gonna have tryouts. I'm just like, okay, well, you run the tryouts and set it up. And then our tryouts weren't initially very successful because people didn't know who we were. And um, we picked up some really good uh, D five players who are ranked beginner in uh, February. They won their first tournament, the first three-man XTPL, and um, they won that like out of like 50 plus teams almost. I, I remember so many teams, and they they won that pretty handedly. And I will take credit for that because the scouting. When you hit three guys off break, and these guys listened, I knew something was special because it's not always about how talented you are, but when you have guys who are listening and do what you say, regardless of their skill set at the time, and they're winning at their first tournament, that actually boosted us a lot. So we picked up a lot more D5 guys. And um, you see in our D5 team this year was our more successful line up until the end of the season. They had their first like four or five tournaments where all podiums. And um, though they were all ranked beginner at the start of the season, but they're really hard workers. They grinded it out and they kept going, moving along, moving along. We did have a few roster issues and um, we just didn't have enough guys to keep them as consistent as we wanted towards the end of the season. We picked up a few people who are great assets to the team now, but they I, I, it's kind of one of those things, if I had them at the beginning of the year, I think they would have had a better opportunity to win more. Because they even went into World Cup with the possibility of winning the race series. They went into USXBL with the possibility of winning the USXBL series. And there's a few heartbreaker tournaments where I think they should have won. But um, For example, the May USXBL is actually against Titans D5. Uh, a penalty stops us from winning the match. And I believe went to overtime, then we lost the overtime point. But then we would have played Dragoons with the possibility of winning for one and two, which would have put them further in the series. Then um, against FSU, losing in overtime in the finals, getting that second place. So our D5 had a lot of heartbreakers. And it's just one of those things you, you learn how to do better. And I'm excited to see how they play this year. That we have a lot of good players that are coming out of that line. Then our D4 moving on, um, we, we, we had consistency issues as well this entire season. Uh, we lost Brandon Rogers, who went to go play for Paintball Fit. Uh, John, he was playing for um, FSU at the time and STK. Then STK went defunct as well. But we lose two of our heaviest hitting guys. So people have to step up. And it's just it's, it's one of those things you don't realize how important a player is. Until they're not playing with you anymore, and now guys have to be those those killers on the field. And it's a different thing, especially for someone like me. My snake players were Logan Dyer and Brandon Rogers for three years. Then I go to Omar, who we're forcing him to step up as a as a newer player, and that that's a big ask. Go play like Logan Dyer. Go play like Brandon Rogers. Like okay, and um, Omar had his issues, but Omar towards the end of the season, I mean, I don't know if there's more dominant guys on the field in the division. So like big ups to Omar for stepping up, but it's it's a, it's a growing process. So we're really excited going into this next season, especially because all the other good D4 teams who are at the top uh, playing D3 now. No, no more Titans uh, D4, no more Greed D4. There's a lot of guys moving on, no tribe. So we're going in this ready to work, though. It's not something that's going to be handed to you. you got to work really hard. And I think that's something that really helped us out this season 
towards the middle of the season, I mean, you could look at our APPA, like you go from a podium, a dominant, real strong podium to like, okay, what are these guys doing? They're not even making it to the top eight anymore. So it's just about that hard work and dedication, I think. And I probably got real off from the question. I remember what the question was. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it was, I mean, that about, you know, going from podium to not even making top eight, that's just how Texas is sometimes. Honestly, like anybody in Texas is a threat. You have to respect everybody nowadays. There aren't, there aren't too many teams where it's like, oh, they're, you know, cupcake teams. We expect a 4-0. Mm-hmm. Nope, not anymore. Not in Texas. Um, and for this upcoming season, you know, D4 is, even though there are a lot of teams moving up that are forced to promote, like my Titans line, like Tribe, uh, like most of the Avarice guys, like there's there's still guys coming up from D5 uh, mm-hmm. into D4 this year, so you can't take anybody lightly. Uh, so Armar, how about you? Like, let's let's hear about you know like your perspective of the origin story when either like TKO first started or whenever you came in. Well, like I said, um, it was actually uh, Malik, which is um, you know one of the younger guys on the on the team. Um, he's the one that actually, uh, he found me at Mansell Payball and brought me, you know, to, to TOG. And, uh, I, I really liked the structure, you know, every, everyone, you know, you know, had a role to play. And so I was like, okay, this, you know, I like the way this is going. And, uh, you know, it was, um, it was nice actually be part of something that really was that structure. And then the whole, you know, everybody kind of leaving, you know, whether it was Cliff wanting to just take a break, you know, others going pro, going to different teams. And uh, whenever we start tossing around the idea of changing the name and just keeping whatever's left and, you know, you know, making something out of it, I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. You know, let's, let's make something work. Um, we already knew what we were all capable of, who was left. It was like, we can make something work out of this. And so, you know, we started that. And, uh, yeah, we, we've had some weird consistency issues. You know, we'd place high, we'd place low. We'd place high, we'd place low. But we always kept that drive going that, you know, we're going to keep pushing forward, we're going to keep moving, we're going to keep building. And, you know, that's something that, um, you know, you see a lot of teams talking about, you know, you know, being around for long periods of time, you know, but you also see a lot of them that once they hit those weird lows, a lot of them just tend to, you know, peter out. They fizzle out. They just, you know, they give up. And we're not one of those teams. Like we don't, have, we don't have guys on our lines that are like that. We're all ready to grind it out. We're all ready to put up a fight. And um, even if we're down on points, we're going to come right back swinging at you. Uh, that's just how we kind of do things. You know, we're going to die on our swords. You know, you know we die behind our guns. And so that's one of the things I love about this team. For sure. I mean, uh, you. You see it uh, in your more recent results. Like, yeah, you're uh, all season. You've had these podiums, but now, like, you know, you go to World Cup, which is the biggest tournament of the year. It's the hardest tournament to win. You've got the most teams you got to play against, and you come out on top. So uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about that World Cup experience. So you you won the D four five man division. Uh, you had to go up against you know the most teams that have ever played in that division in a world cup history let's see there was i've got the page right here in d4 five man uh you had 58 teams that you had to go up against 
So how was that experience for you guys? Let's start with Omar on this one. Man. So I didn't even know, I didn't even think I was going to be playing World Cup. It, I was pretty much, okay, I had made my peace with it that I wasn't going to make it this year. And uh, then, <laughs> yeah, Alex, um, he pretty much calls me and is like, hey, I got your ticket. So I had to go to my girl and be like, hey, uh, I know I said I wasn't going to World Cup, but um, I'm, I'm going to World Cup now. And so <laughs> I uh, had to, you know, I was like, all right, we're, we're going to go. Um, we got our tickets. So we started getting everything ready. Um, we made sure that we got every minute's worth out of our practices. And honestly, just, just getting to Cup was a chore in and of itself. I mean, that was awful. Um, the flight there, um, and so we had a layover. The next plane was loading before we even got off our first, our first flight. And so we're running to the next terminal, you know, home alone style. <laughs> we get there and they got the doors closed and I'm starting to yell at the person. Other people from that same flight are right behind me. They're trying to get on that same flight. And then Alex comes behind me just hearing me yelling at this person, like, why are these doors closed? Like, you shouldn't even be, you know, letting people on yet. And yet the doors already closed with a skeleton crew were the people in, you know, in those seats. Like, 40 people in that flight. <laughs> it was awful. So that was rough in and of itself. And then once we finally got there and, you know, everything was so congested because, you know, we had so much less time to get everything done. And so it was just grueling the entire time. But, you know, embrace the suck. We're going to we're going to play what, you know, as hard as we can, you know, let everybody else be pissed off about what's having to go on. Let's use that. You know, they want to be pissed off. Fine, let's, let them be pissed off. Let that ruin their game. Let's go in there. And let's take it. And uh, then having to play at night um, in the dark when the field next to us has lights. That was frustrating. Um, and I'm sure the refs were not happy about that because, uh, we were shooting at anything and everything that we could see. That was just a shadow, and most of that was refs. And uh, sad for them. Um, so it was nice to actually get on that last field that had the lights on it and play our last match there and still showcase the kind of game that we wanted to play, which is great because we're used to playing night ball because, you know, we go to that. And <laughs> we had a, you know, it was a good time on that last one. Um, and, yeah, actually winning it, nah, yeah, that was a good feeling. For sure. I mean, there was, there was a lot of logistical challenges this year with World Cup uh, for anybody who wasn't there or isn't, you know, in the know about what happened. Uh, a tropical storm happened, uh, blew through there on what was supposed to be the first day of play. It was supposed to be a Thursday through Sunday event. Uh, flights were getting canceled left and right. Airports, entire airports were shutting down for two days. So people that tried to fly in on Wednesday couldn't because their flight got canceled. Because uh, the airport closed at like like 10 a.m. or something like that on Wednesday, and it wasn't reopening until Friday when games were supposed to start. So, um, you know, I know I know people that ended up having to cancel. I know entire teams that you know a couple of teams here and there had to entirely drop out of the event. But uh, definitely a lot of extra challenges to compete in this World Cup, which. Uh, I think makes that first place all the more meaningful because despite all the 
extra challenges you guys uh you know it's it's very easy to let all those outside distractions like you know the whole flight thing um like playing in the dark you know well past sunset uh letting all of those things just uh you know overcome you but uh then you just prove that hey you're you know the moment's not bigger than you and you ended up taking it all so alex how was that experience for you well, it, it's funny because um, it, it didn't start at World Cup. It, it started after that third USX Bell in San Antonio where we kind of got, like, really beat up. And um, we, we had to make the decision what to do. We are having a lot of lows. You know, like Omar brings it up, guys not really wanting to play as much. Like, we got to say, do we just kind of shut it down for the rest of the season? So we, we had so many roster issues. We're literally at events having to pick people up it felt like or hey man uh, this guy had to cancel he can't play with us this next week can you play this tournament with us and you got to front people money so we're having like really bad um, internal issues with our rosters like and then after that san antonio it's like okay who can be consistent who can actually play it and we actually went into that san antonio with nine guys and came out with six like just people not making the dedication that we needed to be successful and um so it was actually a big talk with like Cole Lucal, who coaches us, and we really thank him for that. He's been a big part of that. And uh, Brandon Rogers, it was go to the field, practice every Sunday from that third event on, and see what you can do because we weren't practicing enough. Like you know, we had to admit our own faults. We weren't practicing enough. We weren't dedicating enough because you want your five guys every time. So when it's just three of us, even myself, I'm guilty of it. Like, oh, if these two can't show up, I don't want to go. And Rogers pretty much said, play with your D5, play with whoever you got to play with. Y'all have to be consistent in practice. And I think everybody knows no one practices as much as fit. So he told us, be out there, be out there. And we started really doing that and showing up. And um, I think it was like 10 or 12 weeks. Uh, we didn't miss a practice. We went all the way through. It showed at USXBL. We did end up losing... Um, in USXBL, we lost to Avarice. It went down to one-on-ones, and uh, we unfortunately lost the one-on-one. But we felt really good about that. And we still, at that time, we actually still didn't know we were going to go play World Cup because we do have a lot of guys who can only play locally. The The World Cup line is always a harder thing for us. There's only a few of us who can, like, make it logistically with families and uh, work situations like that. But um, we were playing, and we actually get a phone call of um, – to play the XTPL three man, we got that first win there, and um, I fronted some money. We kind of just put it together and said, "Okay, we'll play this three man. We got to play with the boys." It was me, Christian, Omar, and uh, Brandon, who are our original four guys. So when we got that win, that was that was a really good feeling right there, and um, that gets a lot of people started noticing. And we want we're talking about okay, we want to play World Cup, but Christian and Brandon can't play World Cup. So it's actually just me, Malik, and Omar at the time. So we're like, who else can play? Well, my D5 is already going. We were really going to just go to coach the D5 and play mounds and uh, play on the Fit 10, man. We didn't have, we didn't know we we're going to play D4 race. I think we actually missed the first deadline and everything. We end up getting a, a few messages. Um, so Chuck Neal or Ch- Chuck Neagle, he used to play on TOG with us. He plays for Tribe uh, D4 on their um, their second D4 line. And uh, he's like, hey, man, we're going to put a, a cup line in. My line's not going. Do you want to play? And I, I was kind of ghosting him a little bit because I was like, oh, man, we don't really have the roster. And we we're talking about it. And um, 
boy Jace uh, Boyd from Shut Up. You know, I hit him up. I was like, hey, I know we talked about Cup before. Do you want to play? And he was kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then um, it was like one random week, like a couple weeks before Cup, he goes, hey, man, I'm in. And I was like, okay. So I hit Chuck up, and I tell him, I say, hey, Chuck, we're all broke, though. <laughs> like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. We're down. We got tickets, but a lot of people are broke. And he goes, okay, let me see. And um, he ends up getting us a sponsor. Uh, shout out North Medical uh specialist North Texas medical specialist they end up paying for our entire entry and uh, our cup experience so that, that was like a big thing right there uh Dr. Campbell she was able to uh front everything to us no no you don't gotta pay me back nothing like that just y'all go have a good time go win um so Chuck was able to obtain that for us so once the entry was paid everybody just had to get tickets and we said okay we're going to practice as much as we can we had our five guys, you know, we had a pull from other teams, but we're all friends. We have our core three. We said, okay, we're going to, this is what we're going to go do. And we actually had John uh, Miklajek who's going to play with us. Um, but he was also playing with the farm who ended up winning D4 X-Ball, right? So we're, we're practicing and we, we actually got beat up bad in practice. I'm not going to lie. Like it wasn't like we won points. I think we probably won three points in like six practices that we had. And that's like just probably against our D five. <laughs> like it was a it was a rough one, but it was never like we got like dunked on, right? It was always like, okay, this is a close one. This is what we're trying to do. And then you have guys like me and Chuck who are bigger body dudes trying to play different positions, and we really didn't utilize the wall like that. We were playing um, our ones. We send them out. We had a really solid game plan. Um, Cole and uh, Brandon Rogers coaching us, giving us different advice. Joe Stewart, who, like I said, is a big part. He coaches us a lot, giving us different advice. So we're going into Cup thinking we're going to have John. But with the way everything started working out, it was like John's like, hey, man, I don't think I can play on Sunday because this is the situation. My team's moving on, and they're they're pretty solid, right? He had a chance to win it, so he can't be like, we need you running back and forth between us, right? That's a, That's a hard ask right there. So it was like real late night. I mean, I think like eight o'clock or nine o'clock and I were like, hey, we have a D3 spot. We need to see who can like, we could bring on if we're gonna run with our five. Then um, uh, J Money from Shut Up, Shut Up got knocked out on Saturday. Cause we're going through our list, like our friends. I'm like, let me just hit up J Money. Cause J Money is one of those guys who actually, he helps us a lot at the field. So he's a really nice guy, great accomplished player. And um, just kind of hit him up and was like, hey, man, would you want to play a race with us? And he was like, I'd love to. So early in the morning, we run into registration, get him on the line. And that was probably like the best thing to happen to us because J Money's a proven winner. Mm-hmm. And when he was able to help implement our game plan and be like that leadership role for us, that's what really pushed us forward during Cup. It was we have a guy who's been there before and could calm us down in those hard situations. There was actually a moment during the matches where it's one and one. And uh, this is probably like my most memorable part of World Cup. It wasn't even winning. It was this match is when we knew like there's no one here that's going to beat us today. It's a five on five and we lose two off the break. Mind you, it's one one. We lose two off the break. It's just Omar, Malik, and J Money. But it, we're just all so calm, right? And um, we were able to get it down to a three on three. J Money trades out. And then I just remember Omar still in the snake going down the snake. Like I said, I don't think there's a more dominant snake in D4-5 man than Omar. Omar is in that snake every single point, and no one could stop him. And I just remember Malik, i never seen him play so fast, so hard. And you, if you ever watch somebody playing and you see these 
guys snapping and you're like, oh man, just calm down, don't lose your body. But it, it was like he was like this Terminator out there. And I just remember Omar uh, Malik gets this kill, then Omar he's bunkering the snake at the same time. He's like cussing him out on the field before he hits the buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was just this like different attitude to us. But um, even another point, I just remember J Money. He's in a three on one, and there's never a doubt in my mind that J Money's not going to win that three on one because he's he's that good of a player. And um, it's funny because after we beat them, the team comes over there. Oh, you didn't tell that guy to stop talking mess. Blah blah. blah. He's more, way more explicit than that. I was like, hey man, he earned that. He just wrecked y'all. Like, how are you going to tell someone not to talk? And we just had this like really good attitude and the, the swagger to us that. It's just, you know, you're the best team out there. Everybody's watching you. Everybody's trying to take notes, but it doesn't matter what notes they take because they can't stop you. And sure. just that win meant everything. Uh, this, the trial, trying to get there was the hardest part, you know? But we knew we put in a lot of work. It, it's always a funny theme. All these teams will come shake our hands. Oh, we only practiced twice. Well, that's your fault. We practiced six, seven, eight times because we wanted it. You know, someone blessed us with the entry, saved us a lot of money. We're going to put that to work. We're going to take advantage of it. We're not going to go say, well, we didn't invest that much money. No, we're going to work even harder now because there's people that believed in us to get us here. So that that was a big deal for us. So winning the World Cup was not just only us. You know, I'm, I've got to pay dues to the guys that helped. Like I said, Chuck Nagel from Tribe, Jay's from Shut Up, We're Trying, Jay Money coming in like literally four or five hours before the event and giving us that opportunity to help us win. It was a, it was a big thing. You know, Jay Money from Shut Up as well. So... Our core started it, but we finished it with our friend group. So it was a really good feeling. That's that's a great story there. I mean, uh, especially like just getting that sponsorship uh, to cover your money there. Like that's not something you see very often in paintball, especially in local divisional stuff. So uh, very generous of the medical group to, you know, sponsor y'all to go in it. And then, uh, you know, just getting there to go win. It's, it's something uh, to be said about just, being at the event and knowing that you're going to win it, like you might still be in prelims or you might, you know, be fairly early on in the tournament, but just knowing that you're going to win it uh, is huge. So uh, this next question real quick is sponsored by Paintball Kumite. Uh, Paintball Kumite is a program designed by Colt Roberts of professional team San Antonio X Factor, and they take paintball players of all ages, experience levels and skill groups and mold them into champions program breaks the game down into small, easy-to-learn sessions designed to help you master the fundamentals so that you can elevate your game. Newcomers to the program get a free one-hour introductory class when mentioning In the Pits. To sign up for a class, message at Paintball Kumite on Instagram. So, uh, guys, I want to hear, uh, give me the, give me one thing each. So, like, um, as far as, like, the preparation that you guys did, like, either specific drills or teams that you practice, things like that, or maybe even just, like, how many times you practice, give me, uh, like, the single biggest thing, in your opinion, that was the most important thing to help y'all get this win and be successful at World Cup. So, Omar, what, what do you think, in your opinion, was the single biggest factor there? Well, like Alex had mentioned, um, we were getting our teeth kicked in in practice. But we kept getting out there and kept learning from each and every point that we played. So, yeah, I think the thing that really helped us out the most was just putting in the work, as much work as we can, and not letting the loss of practice points really get to our heads. We just use it to our advantage of what's possible, what can we do, what can't we do. Um, you, know, what, you know, how much timing do you have to do one certain job? When do you have to change to a different job? 
learning how to read the field in any situation from wherever you're at. Um, just really getting in as many points as we can and just living on that field. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're constantly going up against guys that are better than you, then you're going to learn a lot. Uh, you may not win practice, but uh, you're going to learn the most out of anybody there at that field. And heck, if, if practice is the most difficult uh, time you're going to have on a layout, then that's usually for the best. And then it'll show whenever you go to the events and suddenly, hey, these these guys are, uh, hey, we've already learned all these lessons that these guys haven't because they're trying to go win practice. Uh, so, Alex, how about you? What do you think the uh, biggest the the single biggest factor in as far as like the preparation went, uh, what was the most important thing to your success? Um, truthfully, five minds that thought alike, five minds that wanted to do the same thing. We all had the same idea, this uh, great communication. We said, this is what we want to do. We all believed in ourselves. Like it, it goes, it, it's funny because you'll go to tournaments and everybody says, we're going to win. But no, you're not. Not everyone's going to win. Only one person can win, right? And you have those teams who just say it every time, but what have you done to try and win? Where where did you start? We start with mental preparedness, right? The, the five guys, the right guys, you got to have the right guys in the system. And then the practice. So it, it's a big deal when everybody has to think alike. So we all thought we need to have a lot of practice. We need to run as many points as we want. But it was always all five of us wanted to do it, not four of us wanted to do it, and this guy's just tagging along. All five of us wanted to commit that time. When you're the last team leaving, because all five of you want to still be there, not just, oh, I'm going to do snap drills by myself. Okay, we're going to buy more paint. We're going to do all these different things. And so we really, on a short notice, like I said, with two guys who are friends, we said, well, this is what we're going to do. But it took all five of us to do it. But I think the, the like-mindedness it was probably the biggest deal. And that goes through everything. We're going to play the best teams. We're going to shoot a lot of paint. We're going to stay long. It all goes into that the five people who want to do the same thing, want to accomplish the same goal. None of us had those like, uh, like that, that win is just so meaningful for a lot of people, but we always felt we can do this as long as all five of us want to do this. And we all want to grind together. For sure. I mean, that buy-in is huge. You got to have uh, everybody on the same page. Like they, you know, there's always that saying where it's, you know, the, a poor plan executed well is way better than a, a good plan executed poorly. So, you know, having that, having that buy-in from everybody, you know, everybody wants to win. Everybody's there putting in the work. Uh, that's the way to do it right there. Uh, you can't, you can't beat five guys that are all there going for the title and truly putting in the work. Uh, you can, you can beat four guys whenever there's a weak link, but can't do it when all five guys are, are on the field doing the same thing. So uh, this next question sponsored by FU Athletics, one of my uh, first sponsors for the show. Uh, created with a purpose and focus on building a better you. We are a brand that matters in your workout and every purchase gives back to cancer research. Go to thefuathletics.com, use code INTHEPITS25 for 25% off of your order. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, before we continue with your uh, current part of your paintball career. So talking a little bit more about your experience with TOG. So obviously we talked about how dominant TOG was back in the day and how many guys in that program went to go on to play pro, including, you know, at least current examples. You got Logan Dyer, Michael Brown, uh, who are with AC Diesel and uh, the New Orleans Hurricanes. So in your experience, what was one thing that 
TOG did as far as their uh, regime or their preparation? What was one or maybe even like their organizational structure? Give me one thing that they did to get these results to be so dominant and to have these players be so successful. Give me, uh, let's start with Alex on this one. Okay, so it's funny. Um, so like I said, I, I do talk to Clifford Dyer a lot. Um, he is somebody who has our organizations back. I mean, we run a lot of things by him because he has just such vast knowledge. And um, I was actually talking to him when I got the questions. And I was like, man, Cliff, what what was it? He He simply put it as, we were family. Those guys loved each other and they had each other's backs. He said, when you don't let no one F with your brother on the field and you have each other's back and you want to go hard for that guy every single point, you're going to win. And that's what they did. They really cared about each other like family. And that's what kept them going. And they're still friends to this day. They still support each other. Like I said, they're going to play the XTPL in January. Um, you're going to see the five OG TOG guys playing on that line. And um, probably a few of us helping out, but you're going to see them bang it out again. That's going to be something really cool to see. But like I, and it kind of goes back to five like mind things. When you're family and you care about each other and you really believe in that, because you'll see teams, family on three. No, you're not. Like you're arguing in the pits. You're not going to practice. You're, you don't care about that guy enough to show up on time and support him and respect his time and respect each other. You're not really family. When you all want to be there and all do it, that, that's what's family is. When you have that person's back, when you're more interested in getting to know each other, you care about things going on outside of just paintball, you know, you, you everybody invests their time. You got to respect that. So that's something they did. Um, a story Cliff always talks about is how they won three out of four tournament series uh, one year in D4. They were winning so much at the time um they'd play d4 five man on saturday go play x bowl on sunday and that's always like an extra practice and they'd win the five man and um they're supposed they're, there's a i guess a usxbl like a muslim like missouri and kansas they should have won that one too but you know some people can't count and they lost by like a like 0.2 of a point or something like that the series title so they should have won four out of four but um you know think about that four tournament series, winning three out of four, traveling together every weekend. That's a lot of paintball. That's a lot of practice time. So you, when you care about that person, though, and you really want to do that together, you're, who's going to stop you? It's a hard thing to do. You have your brother's back or your sister's back, whoever's on your team, you know? For sure. And I think for Cliff, uh, in his case, the answer better be family when his own son's playing on the team. Uh, so I, I would hope that's an answer. It's, uh, but yeah, I mean, those guys were definitely close with especially the amount of paintball that those guys were playing. Like, geez, they were everywhere all year. Uh, so Omar, what about you? You know, what was, uh, you know, one thing, at least in your observation that, uh, you thought made TOG so dominant? Uh, Alex hit it right on the head there. It's, uh, the whole family atmosphere that they had um, and just the structure of it all. And yeah, not getting crazy in the pits, you know, everybody like talking it out, figuring it out and getting ready for the next point and just keeping that dialogue going the entire time. Like, you know, like they really are just all just blood family. They're just all talking it out. It's just so natural and seamless um, where they're on the, in the pit or on the field, it was just smooth the entire time. And it was actually a really cool thing to see just when I was first getting on board with them before the changeover and helping pit and doing whatever I could, you know, 
with the higher line. I was like, yeah, this is where I want to be. And so, yeah, that to me is like, that's what's going to make a successful team. That's going to, what's going to make or break a lot of teams is that camaraderie, that family element and just keeping everything, um, you know, just smooth like that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, it definitely, definitely got to have everybody there uh, together on the same page and that family element. Like when you go, you go play for your boys out there. Um, gotta all be on the same page have complete trust in each other and just you know just enjoy the whole thing together if you can't enjoy it with the as you're playing with then you've got uh a much difficult much more difficult road ahead of you uh so real quick before we continue uh thank you to everybody who's tuning in welcome uh we're getting uh kind of toward the back end of our show so if you have any questions that you want to submit to alex or omar go ahead and get them in the chat and we'll get to them towards the end uh so real quick i want to hear from this is more of an individual question so omar let's start with you uh so far in your paintball career what has been your single favorite moment so <clears throat> my very first ever one was that three man that alex mentioned earlier so that was really cool. Almost sullied the, ex- the experience at Cup. Um, even though, so on that very last point, when I, I knew that we had already won. So I, I guess it wasn't winning because it was, I was uh, in the snake and uh, the other team had somebody in the, in the Cobra. One of our guys' guns was down. Their, their Cobra acknowledged that. So he was able to play really far off the bunker. Uh, I was pushing myself so far up against that beam, I thought my cleat was going to come out the other side. And I think my favorite part was when I'm looking down, seeing the paint come, and I all of a sudden see a ref just yell hit, and I, I knew that he was pointing at that cobra. I knew that that cobra was dead. As soon as that happened, that was my favorite moment because I knew we just won this point. I went up, shot one, went up again, shot the last guy, yelled out, uh, 55, and then I got clacked in the back of the head. Thanks, Malik. Um, so hitting the buzzer would have been my favorite part, or my, my favorite experience. But I think when I saw the ref say hit, and I knew right then that we, we just won, that right there was my favorite point, or favorite moment. Cool. How about you, Alex? Single, single favorite moment in your entire paintball career so far? Um, so for me, it I would say the three-man win for the XTPL with the idea of winning it with, like, my boys. But what goes on past that is it's not even just the win at World Cup. It's the, the promise I made to my Thea. Uh, she passed away in 2020 due to COVID. And to be able to um, keep that promise to her. So without getting, like, too emotional, but that's something that weighed on me for a long time. And I was able to finally bring that, um, that medal to her. So that, that one felt really good because she passed away on the Saturday night before we went on to Sunday um, in 2020. And I mean, there's very few people that can even say that they've won a world cup. So uh, the fact that you're able to do that, bring it back for her, that's special. Uh, we've got Taylor Retra in the chat. He's saying uh, that, that Alex, your answer is probably the bye-bye story is what he said. So uh, I'll let you enjoy that one. I'd love to hear that story in a little bit. So, um, Looking forward, uh, after that win in World Cup, so both of you guys have the pleasure of being less than half a point over the threshold to promote to D3. 
so both of you guys are now uh, rocking the the yellow banner on your APPA profile. Uh, so knowing that, what are TKO's plans for this upcoming season? Are you, do you still have enough D4 guys to play D4? Or uh, like what series are you going to play? Uh, what division? Any? And do you have any like roster moves or coaching pickups to announce? You know, anything like that. What are your plans for this upcoming season, Alex? So um, we we went, we were going to go D three, and um, probably be kind of mediocre if we thought about it. We had we had a few guys who wanted to join, and we could have put a pretty good D three team together. But what would end up happening is forcing guys to move up. And the things we've been D four forever, man. Um, we really wanted to make the move, but the idea is like, why force it, right? The the smart move is to stay D four. Omar and I play as the D threes, and then the rest of my line can retain as D four. Like it would have been different if Malik and Bnav moved up, then we would have went ahead and went the D three. But Malik, you know, his points fell off because he did take a season off at one point, took most of twenty twenty off, so that didn't really affect him. So we're gonna play D four. We're gonna play USXBL because we have um, we picked up a few girls from Vibe uh, who are gonna be playing USXBL with us. We'll also play the XTPL, but we're gonna to commit to a full NXL season this year and uh, play X ball. Cool. So uh, full NXL and then uh, USXBL, and you've you've joined up with Vibe. So or at least a couple of those girls, and yes, you know those. Those girls have been in the the finals in the WNXL, so they they definitely know how to compete for sure. Uh, it, and that format's actually way more difficult because of the five point mercy rule instead of the four, and so uh, really tough. Uh, so let's see. Got a few questions in the chat here. Uh, we'll get to them in a second. So like you've talked about, um, you know how how you've gotten through this journey and all the people that have come along the way. Uh, so. Uh, let's hear from Omar on this one. Like, who are some of the people that have helped TKO uh, along the way to get you guys to where you are now? Well, you got Jill. Uh, he's been helping us for a while. Um, he coaches us up. He, you know, really kind of um, opens your eyes to a number of things, uh, which has been invaluable. I mean, you have having you know that kind of coach, you know, really kind of break things down has been great. Um, the entire lockout family. Um, and they can't thank them enough for everything that, you know, that they've done for us, you know, especially like, uh, you know, called, you know, stepping in, coaching us for a while. And, uh, you know, again, just, you know, really pushing us. Um, same thing with Brandon Rogers, you know, even though he's not with us anymore, I mean, he's always, coming up to us, you know, he's in our ear, you know, expecting more from us, you know, uh, pushing. Yeah, and pretty much, every, I mean, everybody got fit. I mean, we all kind of put, you know, we put each other up. Now we try to give our, each other our best games too, so we can all just excel. Cool. I mean, there's, uh, you can't really do it without the, the help from the guys above uh, that, uh, know what they're doing that have been there, done that. Uh, Alex, do you have any other names to add on to that? Yeah, uh, just kind of expound on the point. Um, you know, first of all, Paintball Fit is, is a big one for us. JD, Sarah, Cole, Johnny, all the guys, um, they, they support us a lot. They give us a lot of help. And uh, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big one, man. Um, you can't do anything without that kind of support. 
So Colt, he's he's coaching us. He's going to coach us this season as well. Um, he really stepped up, and he he was the right guy for it. It is it, a weird thing when you're trying to find a coach, and you just don't know personalities. His personality fits with us. He can put guys in check. He's an he's actually a no BS guy, but Colt's probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. But he's serious about this paintball. He knows what he's doing, and um, everybody respects him. And he's there for our practices. Literally made me such a better player. When hey, I want y'all in my pits during practice. I want to watch y'all play. Like you have to be here. Then Brandon Rogers as like basically Colts assistance coach. Um, Brandon Rogers that became like one of my best friends ever since we started playing. We talk all the time. He calls me a lot <laughs> as my boy though. Um, we he's always pushing us and driving us to do better. Hey, you need to be at practice. Hey, come tonight, boy. Hey, go do this. Hey, do this. Why ain't y'all here? Like, it's just one of those things when you have someone who's constantly hounding on you, but in a positive way, trying to just make sure you hold each other accountable. And um, it's a, it just helps out a lot. Then Joe Stewart, like I said, Joe's a big part. He definitely coaches us. He's one of the reasons the D5 got good so quickly. He, he'll take the guys who don't know how to hold a gun and don't know how to slide anything, and he'll spend his time, take his time to help improve them and he'll come run points with us. Like I'll sit a point, he'll run in my spot to figure things out for us because he just has such a good mind, you know? Um, he coaches AC Diesel for a reason. Joe's such a talented player, but he'll run with our lines. He'll spend all day Saturday. He'll ask, hey, you're going to be there both days? Okay, he'll spend the whole day with us. He'll work on those things, but not just standing there, sitting down. He'll play with you, and that actually goes further because he learns the layout. He notices what people on the field are doing wrong. For a guy who's helped AC Dallas go pro, he he knows the game better than pretty much anyone I know exactly. So that's been a big thing. Then, um, like I said, Clifford Dyer, just being able to help run things by him and to help us make the right decisions. So those have been people who are like, they're, they're necessary for our success. They're necessary for us to continue going and growing. If one of them fall off, they you can't replace people like that. And they want to see us to be successful, and it comes from like a pure standpoint. So we really thank them for all that. Well, shout out to all those guys. I mean, uh, every single one of those names, they are uh, no stranger to helping others uh, on their climb and their their own paintball journey. So uh, they've been doing it for a while. I mean, Jell's been helping me with this uh, podcast as well. Uh, shout out to Jell Stewart and Compete. Uh, big, big help. And with those, with that first run of shirts as well, I mean, uh, they turned out great and, uh, really appreciate gel everything that you do, man. Uh, so, uh, continuing on this, uh, next question is sponsored by my, actually my first partner with the podcast, get that shot, uh, get that shot. They now offer first in line photo and video editing, uh, 20% off, get that shot merch and 20% off prints to all teams that wear the get that shot logo on their Jersey. Uh, for this next season, get that shot. will be attending all of the bunker fest events as well as all events for the NXL series. So message him. That's get that underscore underscore shot on Facebook or Instagram to become a GDS program team. Uh, so guys, this is the question that I ask everybody that comes on. Uh, are there any, anybody in Texas, either Texas based teams, players, brands, projects, field owners, media guys, anybody in Texas, um, that have caught your attention lately, like anybody in Texas that, uh, if nobody else knows about them, who does Texas need to know about, uh, Omar, who's, who's one entity that has caught your attention. Hmm. 
I'd like to say our next D5 team. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, honestly, I mean, that's a hard, that's a hard one to answer, uh, to answer just because there are a lot of good Texas teams. And, uh, you know, really, just, just about any team that's here, you know, that puts in the effort, they're going to give you a hard time. You know, no matter what division it's going to be in, you get on that national stage, you I mean, and you come up against a Texas team, they're, you're, you're going to have to fight, you know, to, to make it out of that. For sure. For sure. There's, there's a lot of really good talent in Texas and a lot of people putting in the hard work. Uh, te- there's a reason Texas is always deep on Sunday at NXL. So a whole lot of answers there. So Alex, how about you? Anybody caught your attention? Uh, man, honestly, I'm so like all over the place sometimes and uh, I keep focus on organization a lot. I don't really worry too much about people outside the organization and get caught up in all that. But you know, as far as the people I, I want to see step up, I want to see Houston teams compete more. That's something I, I want to see. Because I, I just remember Houston being so dominant, man. They used to have some zone, like some really good teams out of there. Um, I'd like to see the Balls Out team. I think those are some good players out there down in South Texas. And um, so I'm excited to see what they bring this season. Uh, I've always been a big fan of them because they just play with this, like, tenacity. But um, not as uh, dominant this year. But in D5, they're kind of crazy. So I'm ex- expecting them to, like, really be a really strong team this year in D4 and see what they do, the boys out of South Texas. For sure. I mean, in Houston, you do got some uh, really good teams. Like, you can't forget about the Texas Cyclones. Like, they were mm-hmm. uh, on, on the top of the Division Three race for they're almost the whole season. Yep, and they're they're jumping up to semi-pro. You've also got uh, DC Hayes out of Houston. They won the BunkerFest event. Uh, Mardi Gras at the start of the year. Um, you know, you've got Outlaw Anodizing. You've got a bunch of teams out of Houston that are going to be D3 this year. So um, I think Texas Cyclone's second line will be there. Obviously, you got Outlaw Anodizing. You've got DC Hayes. Uh, I think Zone might have a, a line as well. Um, so there's there's definitely some pretty good talent coming out of Houston. I mean, hell, Houston Zone won uh, NXL and D4X Ball. Uh, in Dallas this year. So there's definitely some heavy hitters there that can still compete. Uh, and then of course, shout out to the balls out guys. I had, uh, I had them on a couple of episodes ago. Um, really solid, especially in D five. So excited to see what they're going to come up with this year. Uh, so let's look at the chat real quick. Um, see, we already talked about y'all's goals for 2023. One, uh, guy it's, uh, Ozzy boy 1093 asking about uh, do y'all have any plans to do any of the bunker fest events this year? So um, for that, it's it kind of comes to down to one of those things where we have to choose what we want to play. When we start going through our calendar, you know, everybody suggests all these different events, all these different series. There's like, what can we play and when can we play it? Then it becomes financial issues. And we want to play the USXBL because we only have some people who can only play USXBL. So we committed to that. Obviously, we're going to play the XTPLs, being at paintball field. Like, why wouldn't you play at your home field? And then coming off of World Cup when it was decided between Bunker Fest and World Cup where we want to put our money. And we decided we wanted to continue with the World Cup just because the notoriety. So we won't be uh, participating in Bunker Fest this year. Got it. Uh, so next question is... Uh... 
Isn't there another team in Houston that's also TKO? What's up with that? Okay, so that that's a funny thing because I didn't know who they were uh, when I was on TOG. They, I think they play a few uh, Houston events and they're pretty decent. I think they've won some HTPSs. And um, so I've, I've heard like chatter, like, oh, you stole their name. I don't know what their name even stands for. And I try to do some research. They don't have really a social media presence. Um, I do know, I think the owner captain shares the same last name as me. So we're probably cousins <laughs> or something along the lines. Um, the only thing I did find out about them is they have the same jersey as Total Carnage Orlando, which actually uh, disbanded and became, and they joined Tampa Bay Damage before Tampa Bay Damage was pro. And um, but so I don't really know much about them. I think uh, his name is Ben Agosto as well. I think he's from Florida, so I don't know if that's something that like he brought over to Houston or how that works exactly. But I don't I don't really know much about them. But no, we didn't steal the name. Um, this is something we came up with in my living room. Uh, they they don't really have a, a big presence, so wasn't really aware of them. But yes, they were around before us. But I'm not sure what their name stands for. Yeah, I know the jerseys are quite different, so it's it's pretty easy to tell you guys apart. I mean, y'all got the whole purple thing going on. They're more of like a gray, so uh, not not too difficult to tell them apart, at least visually. Um, yeah, there's I know there's a little bit of confusion there. Let's see one more thing in the chat. Uh, they're giving you guys love for your for your rings that you're wearing. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and I think that's about it. Yeah, that pretty much does it. Uh, so this question this final thing for the show before we sign off sponsored by gel stewart compete uh so competes a texas-based brand by gel stewart of professional team ac diesel they provide custom jerseys pants headbands straps tech shirts and any other soft goods to help individuals and teams compete at the highest level uh, support texas paintball and message compete on facebook or instagram and mention in the pits podcast for 10 percent off of your entire order so guys do you have any last shout outs or things you'd like to say before we sign off um, yeah, just you know, just uh, go through a sponsor list uh, real quick, and um, some people who helped us have a successful season. Um, first, Charm City, Mike Thompson, man, uh, this this is my dude. Mike Thompson's such a great guy. He owns Charm City Headbands. He's played events with us. He's visited. He's actually gonna come to Texas real soon, so look forward to seeing that. Um, then uh, Hydra with Paintball Fit supporting us, giving us the gear you know, great stuff, compete with Joe Stewart, the uh, Virtue, Bunker Kings, supplying us with gear as well. That's another big thing. Um, Caesar from Ultra Silk, uh, this guy just, you know, he constantly helps us. Caesar's pretty behind the scenes, but the Ultra Silk and just helping us with taking our guns, different things like that, that's a big one. Volcano, man, the Volcano bag. If, if you haven't used Volcano bags, uh, there's something wrong with you, especially if you travel. You can still put it in a carry-on bin. You can wear it at the field. It's so underutilized, I think. So I do want people to just like really check out Volcano because that's a real, real big one right there. Um, guys like Taylor Retra, he he runs with greed, but he played D4 with us the whole year consistently. That was a big thing for us. So thank you, Taylor Retra. Um, he helped keep us together. And um, that, that's pretty much my shout-outs right there. Like I said, I've already hit on Jail, Brandon, Colt. Uh, Cliff, guys like that. So that that was a big thing for me. Just um, you know, show the love to the people that uh, deserve it, man. They a lot of people have been there for us. For sure, for sure. Uh, Omar, you got any names to add on to that? Uh, I mean, Ben Challenger, he's helped us out a bit. Um, 
I know when I was going through a real bad time with the snake for a while, um, I did go to Ben, uh, as well as Brandon, um, just kind of figure things out and just kind of tighten things up a bit. So yeah, uh, Ben helped me out a lot. Um, he actually spent a day with me just, uh, drilling the crap out of me. Um, you know, kind of getting me ready to kind of make that next step into becoming a better player. Cool. Yeah. Shout out to all those guys. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to give a quick shout out to the guys that help, uh, support me on the show. Uh, so obviously we've got get that shot. It's been here pretty much since the beginning. Uh, Carlos is doing great stuff with his photos and now he's posting more and more shorts online of all these, you know, different footage from the pro field been great to see and i hope his uh channel starts to really take off because he definitely deserves it and we've got um one of my teammates uh thomas with fu athletics uh which is you know really nice uh athletic wear like i have a couple pairs of his joggers he gave me a hoodie recently uh one of the most comfortable hoodies that i have and the joggers look great as well uh those are my personal favorite uh, and then we've got, of course, paintball Kumite, which is Colt Roberts uh, training regimen. He's going to pick that up more during the offseason. Really helped uh, a lot of us, especially in the Texas Titans, uh, just like learn the game from the mind of one of the greatest to do it. Uh, and then, of course, we got Jell Stewart with Compete. Uh, he's been uh, he helped me release my first line of merchandise, which was those tech tees a couple weeks back. And, uh, you know, everything turned out absolutely great and he even helped me with uh that you know putting the different unique like numbering on there to show the first line of backers so shout out to gel and then my newest uh newest sponsor for the show hustle town paintball uh it's a a brand over in houston and i've known him for a while now for i think over a year at this point i originally met jason uh when I was just like guessing with his team, uh, which was a D five team playing in HTPS. And, uh, since then he's been doing really cool stuff. So, uh, thank all of you for your support for this year, for 2022. We've got a lot of exciting things coming for 23 and thank everybody on Twitch here for tuning in. So be sure to go follow, uh, Omar and Alex, uh, that's at Sancho, the milkman for Alex. And then at, sim underscore ns underscore tko for omar and then of course you can follow uh tko that's at tko underscore texas knockout on instagram uh what other guests would y'all like to see on the show uh be sure to leave a comment down below while you're at it hit the subscribe button the show goes live weekly here on twitch.tv slash in the pits paintball podcast uh we'll see how long that lasts i'm considering switching over to youtube for the live stream so uh that might change soon and then uh, recordings are, of course, posted to YouTube, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify the next day. Uh, so, y'all, we will see you guys next week for episode 29 for the start of 2023. And stay tuned for the January schedule. So, y'all, hope y'all had a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, everybody. Omar, Alex, thank you guys so much for your time. Appreciate having us.